Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the hosts for Dragon Bites and one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales. This week we're going to be telling you all about applying for and interviewing for the Neurology Grid programme. Dr Kellen Kenny, one of the newest hosts for Dragon Bites, is joined by Dr Gemma Howells, one of the Neurology Grid trainees currently working in Cardiff. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to um, our Grid Speciality um, podcast with Dragon Bites. My name is Kaylin Kenny and this is my first solo mission for Dragon Bites. So please have patience and bear with as we get through. I'm lucky enough to be joined by Gemma. Hello. Hello Gemma, welcome. I hope you've got patience for me today as well to get me through this first podcast. I think it might work both ways, Kellen. <laughs> so I'm fort- I've been fortunate enough to work with Gemma for the last six months in UHW, the Heath Hospital, Cardiff, and Gemma is one of our neuroregers and she is on the grid and she is going to give us her top tips today to try and make sure that um, all our listeners who have an interest in neurology, paediatric neurology, are in with the best chance to get that grid spot. So thank you, Gemma, for joining us. So we'll start with some questions. So Gemma, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, where have you worked so far with regards to your paediatric career? So I'm currently actually ST7, I nearly said ST6, but of course it's September. Um and I think I've not really taken a conventional route to get there. So trained in Leicester, did F1, F2 in Leicester, did an academic paediatric F2, and then went and lived in Sydney for five years and did essentially ST1 to 3 in Sydney, um, but came back to an ST3 post in Bristol and then um, moved to Cardiff for Grid as of last September. So I've been here a year. So I've learned something new about you already. I had no idea you'd lived in Sydney and now I feel like I need to pinch on your knowledge because that's where I want to go. <laughs> so I've learned something. Um, so what drew you to neurology? So I actually, from F2 onwards, when I was revising for the exams, I really liked clinical genetics and I had fully planned to go into clinical genetics. And when I came back to the UK, applied for both genetics and peds. And... In that process, I think I realised that actually genetics wasn't what I wanted at all. Um, And in Sydney, I'd done some neurogenetics research, thinking about trying to get into genetics, and I'd done a neurology job. And I really, really loved that job and hadn't expected to because I thought it would be really sad. I thought it'd be really difficult. I thought it would all be far too complicated to understand anything. Um, And so really, I think that was probably a big turning point. And then I think the things that I liked about genetics were probably a bit misguided and are actually the things I like about neurology. So I think the things I like are that it's a really nice mix of acute and outpatient stuff and just the variety of all the patients in different conditions. And it's just so, I just think it's really interesting. So when did you start your neurology grid training? Uh, September last year. And you worked in Cardiff for that year. Yeah. Lovely. Um, so 
How did you get onto the grid? What did you do in preparation to get that spot? So I felt quite out of the loop having been in Australia. And then, although I was a Bristol trainee, I'd worked only in the NICU in Bristol. So I was in a DGH. I didn't really know how the grid process worked. I didn't know any of the tertiary specialty teams. Um, And it was a little bit of a last minute decision in that, it all kind of came together and I was quite definite about it towards the end of ST4. Um, Having said that, in hindsight, my CV was fully geared towards neurology. So I think I was just late to realise what what I needed to realise. And I'd planned to do some research and that sort of didn't happen around that time as well. But I think the fact that I'd planned to do things based on neurology was helpful for the grid application. And as you said, obviously you had that interest in genetics, and they're yeah. so they are actually very similar. Yeah. So that mm. it's amazing how jobs, your past jobs, can almost guide you blindly, mm. yeah. and you fall into that specialty that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Like it was so obvious in hindsight, <laughs> but yeah, didn't realise it until a couple of years ago, probably. And what does neurology grid? What does that entail of? As in the training process yeah the training program itself for neurology so it's three and a half years which is a bit different to other grid specialties um and the issue I found with that is that and when you apply for grid you have to apply with enough years left on your training so but they don't mind about that extra six months at the end so really because you can only apply after your st5 year you only essentially have one chance then at applying for Mm grid um although you could when I looked at what would happen if I didn't get it first round, you could do a year in neurology and then get it sort of retrospectively approved. So there are options and it's not just a, a one-off chance. And then it's, so in that three and a half years, you have to do six months of adult neurology. And then for the other three years, it's all paediatric neurology. And it's a little bit, it depends on where you are and what services there are in your area. But like, it's quite likely that I'm going to have to spend some time in a in a different centre um, just to get some of, some exposure to some of the rarer conditions and we're going to I'm going to do some CAMS clinics and some neurodisability clinics to feed into it it used to be that you had to do a designed sort of neurodisability block but now it, it's more competency based oh and what do you have so, to do with adults that's my I know because that's as a paediatrician it is a bit scary yeah. thinking about the yeah. adult world yeah. I know a lot of trainees felt it with the recent COVID deployment to the adult yeah. world. So yeah. knowing that within, how does that time? I think you're supernumerary, and I think it's all about ex- like learning about stroke and MS. Okay. So I don't think they expect you to be <laughs> fully managing the adult medical ward, and they, from my understanding, is I won't be doing adult on call. And you will be No med reg. Like, oh, well, I'll be an F1 or an F2 with Put it in a Yeah. Be um, right no to drink chat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'd be able to do more than that. Um, okay, mm. so um, are there any specific requirements that you have to achieve by the end of training? Um, you need there's you need to be competent with neuroradiology, neurophysiology, and a, a reasonable amount of genetics understanding. So I feel like those are almost like the three core subjects in and amongst the neurology knowledge. And then 
all the different areas within neurology, so neuroinflammation, epilepsy, movement disorders, neuromuscular problems. I've probably missed a few, I'm sure. But um, yeah, sort of, there's, they used to, it used to be very case-based and you had to tick off a number of cases okay. for each condition. And now it's more competency-based. So similar so to the progress yeah. curriculum as well. So it's follow yeah. suit. Yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. So what general advice would you have for trainees applying for paediatric neurology grid? So probably I would say speak to the tertiary team and get their inputs and let them know that you're interested because I was just too intimidated to do that for ages. Mm. I just thought, oh, neurology is really hard. I don't know anyone. They're going to think I don't know anything. Well, I don't know. You know I that makes like me sad, anything. Gemma. I know, but it was—it genuinely was a reason why I felt too scared to kind of, to speak up about it. Um, and it was only really the local team where I was working that gave me a bit of a nudge. Yeah. And that was really helpful, and I'm so grateful that they did. But, yeah, I think don't be intimidated about approaching people and letting them know that you're interested. Um, don't worry if you feel like you don't know much about the subject, because it'll be fine. Um, and I think doing something a bit different, like if you could take a year out somewhere mm. along the way from all of the other people I know that have been successful at GRID, um, most of them have had something different, whether it be a leadership year, a quality improvement year. I feel like potentially my time in Australia might have stood out as a maybe different career path and just I think it just makes you more memorable from the application and interview and that extra time to have got more things done such as research papers mm. and then I think of all the areas for neurology research probably ranks much higher than education and leadership and those types of things but whatever people are interested in. So that's actually basically answered the next question. Oh, no, it's great. Um, so how can trainees maximise their chances of getting an interview? So just being yeah. memorable, isn't it? And having something yeah. that makes you stand out. Yeah, and I think um, I think commitment to specialty, I don't know, that's probably the area that I scored highest. I think I was lucky because I was planning to do a PhD at the time in neurology. So that was a very clear demonstration that I was committed to that specialty. And as I said, in hindsight, all of my other stuff was quite neurology based. And then um, research, I think, scored quite highly. And I was lucky that I have got a few papers so could tick off those those quite easily. I don't have an MSc. I don't have, I didn't intercalate. So I think those things obviously would, would have got more points I think it's much more research heavy than other areas. Interesting. And was it obviously you get more points for being the first author on those papers and things as well? Did that help? I th yeah, I can't remember. I think we did. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the. I wish I'd have written more down from the application form. I wrote down my notes from the interview afterwards, but not not didn't keep much of a record of the application form. Um, so I can't remember how it was scored. Certainly, if you approach your tertiary team, they would be able to help you. And that can help yeah. them with improving your scores for the process then. Yeah. And I think it's really important. Advice I've been given from um, colleagues who've been through the grid process is to get that application printed off early yeah. so you know where yeah. to get points. Yeah. And if you're currently... Like, I only looked at the application in my ST4, ST5 year... 
Um, so I, in a way, I, I wish if I'd have been a, a bit more, I think if I'd have been clearer about what I wanted from an earlier point in time, I wish I'd have looked at it from like ST1, ST2, and then been quite strategic with the extracurricular things that you do. And I think that's probably pretty sound advice that I didn't realise for quite a while, that if you're doing an audit, make it a really worthwhile audit and make sure you complete it rather than just doing it for the sake of it. Um, it's better to do fewer but higher value things than lots of little things. So say if you're an ST1, ST2, and you had an interest in paediatric neurology, mm-hmm. um, how can um, how can trainees gain experience in that post um, if obviously maybe they're not fortunate enough to get a neurospeciality post? I think if you could use study leave to come, and certainly the team in Cardiff would be more than happy for people to come on, say, like a Friday when we have the neuroradiology meeting and neurology grand rounds, um, going to speak to the team. I forgot to mention, actually, the conferences. That was another thing I was too scared to attend, the British Paediatric Neurology Association conference, and there's a trainees meeting at that, and it's really certainly now seeing it from the other side it's really nice that when people come and I would love to answer questions about coming to neurology and I don't think I was always too scared to do that so I think all if you can't get a neurology placement I think there are lots of little ways that you could get more exposure and certainly if you've got a community placement which everyone does have then going to neurodisability clinics as a preference because I found that really helpful um and that also actually made I sort of briefly thought about neurodisability but going to those neurodisability clinics I really enjoyed them but it made it clear that neurology was the one as well so it's like I'm answering all the questions in like in a really convoluted way no but you're making my job nice comes. and easy <laughs> and like yeah, yeah. we go into the flow and um, so obviously you would say it is necessary to have at least a bit to have experience in the specialty yeah. so you know what you're going in for I think so. I mean, I didn't have that when I when I was thinking about genetics. I think it was the process of applying for it and looking into it in so much more detail that made me realise that it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I think you have to have gone on that journey in some form, whether or not you've actually done a job in that specialty. I think they need to see that you've really thought about it. Yeah. And again, it comes back to commitment to specialty as well. Yeah. Which is a big part of the yeah. The, the scoring process and getting an interview mm. so going on to the interview the dreaded interview yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can trainees do to get ready for the interview how can they maximize their chances on the day so the things i thought it was a really fair like quite a fair well-rounded interview so maybe it helps if i say what i got asked because then that's essentially all the areas that you can prepare for so I've asked to do a five minute presentation on the challenges of being a paediatric neurology consultant in the 2020s. God, nothing could have predicted <laughs> your presentation given exactly. 2020s. Yeah. <laughs> um, luckily, I chatted to one of the Bristol consultants who gave me a bit of an insight on some of the issues around training. And certainly, I, if anybody is applying for neurology grid, please get in touch because I can give you a full lowdown of you know with the shape of training affecting numbers numbers of training posts for neurology number of consultant posts is there's a national shortage of pediatric neurology consultants so that's quite a big issue a big issue um so there's lots of things that i can let people know about um regarding the future of of 
things um and for stuff like i think a lot of the presentations they ask for are around similar themes or they'll ask it in a different way to get the key issues out and then i got asked a clinical scenario which i thought was entirely appropriate it was a child with a v patient with vomiting and headaches so that was i thought quite simple i got asked about a colleague in this in difficulty and it was essentially questions taken right out of that um you know, the Medical Protection Society did that interview guide. Oh, that, that the, book that the a lot bo- of people... Oh, the, I, don't, I, I wish I knew the I know, name of that book. That, and but, I got it on the top um, of my tongue. Like, yeah, I can see I, the, the book. In, it's like called it's, Interviews. Yeah. Some, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know the one. It's got it's really got loads of colours on the front. front yeah. yeah. So that um, the guide to medical interviews. Yes. That is something like but, that. It is yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And it, it was... Yeah. So reading that was good preparation. Um, They asked me about a nice guideline and how I thought I could change it. And it didn't have to be neurology-based, but then they asked me for a neurology one, which was was fine, but I'd read the guidelines relevant to your specialty. Um, And not only the nice guidelines, but the RCPCH guidelines. And then an awareness of kind of hot topics and research in the area. So it was like, I felt like it was all pretty predictable, standard. There was nothing out of the ordinary. Oh, and then there were questions about what's your worst quality and how that could affect an MDT. That was what I got asked. So like, I ended up naming like three bad qualities because I misinterpreted the question. And then, like, I will make you do that show today. Yeah, yeah. And I want less yeah. mine with so, you all night. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So resources you recommend for trainees would be that amazing book, the medical interviews for um yeah. for trainees, yeah. um nice guidelines for yeah. your specialty, yeah, and anything else. I would look on the BPNA website because that will give you a really good idea about key sort of targets. A bit like the other way with the RCPCH, you can get a clear idea of what's going on. But stroke is a big is a big target from both the RCBCH and BPNA. Cannabis is a big issue at the moment. Um, sorry, this is just off the top of my head. There are lots. Obviously, genetics is really big and thing. gene therapy is a big yeah. thing. Um, yeah, so I could you could go on for ages, but um, yeah, BPNA website. I got I'm going off topic again, aren't I? Um, and and yeah, just having an idea of current research and being able to talk about a paper in a bit of detail. Good to know. Um, is there any way to structure answers to make them better? Would you say mm. I'd go by that book? I don't know about you, but yeah, that book helped that book, me. Yeah, has helped me through many an interview. Yeah, and definitely in my interview, the questions that were straight out of that book. You could almost see... You can twist that. Well, you could see like their eyes glaze over. Yeah. And I just gave a stock response and they were just ticking it off. And like I don't think they minded. I think they just wanted me to get out the stuff that yeah. I needed to say. And then I think it was other areas where you could be a bit more... Personal. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's hard, isn't it? As long as you're too prepared, then you just sound like a robot. Yeah, it's good to have personality. That's what my mother mm. tells me anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I did my interview after nights, so I was a bit oh, disinhibited, gosh. which I felt like actually maybe might have helped a little bit. 
because I was a bit more lively than I might have ordinarily been if I was running on a treadmill. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's just it's not good advice, is it? Be really exhausted and don't get any sleep. This is not the best interview you advice. can survive. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fight or flight kicked in. Yeah, and yeah. that goes with neurology. Mm-hmm. So you've often said you we know about what questions come up. Now we've gone through that with regards to commitment especially yet again a similar theme mm. um just general interview questions isn't it mm. the mm. um and, and how long does the interview last for oh, i think it was because of the presentation i think they give you either 20 minutes or half an hour to do it so i think i was there for a couple of hours um one thing that is probably not I mean, maybe I was just an idiot, but I turned up with no paperwork, you know, ready to go. And there'd been an error with the emails and you were meant to turn up with, you know, your passport, your driving okay. license and, and the form. So I didn't have the best start to the interview for panicking about all these things I hadn't turned up with. Like, luckily, I had my driving license in my, with me and I think I might have brought some stuff anyway because I thought that was a bit odd. But this form that I needed was a bit stressful. But it wasn't my fault. But it's just one of those. I think, yeah. If you don't, if you haven't heard or been told to bring stuff, I'd maybe double check because the interview process wasn't as seamless as I thought it might be. Yeah. I always going off track, and um, but I always panic with an interview about where it is and getting lost. Yeah. Where was your interview? It was at the RCPCH in London. Okay, so that's quite a lot of us have been yeah, there for yeah. courses and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So at least that's something that's easy to get to. Yeah. Um, okay. So just bringing this to a close, what is your top three tips to <laughs> apply? Yeah. And then what piece of advice that you weren't given would you give to a trainee? Okay. Top three tips. Um, don't be intimidated by all the other people applying for GRID or by other people in that specialty, or the process, um, and I'd just I'd go for it, even if you think you your application might not be strong enough, you don't have enough points, I wouldn't be put off if you have an interest and you want to do it, I'd say go for it. Um, number two, I think do something different to try and get a piece of work published, because I think it's just too hard to fit it in amongst the working standard working life exams, competencies, and I think having a bit of time out, if you can, just really gives you the opportunity to do something different and get something on your CV that makes you stand out from everyone else. Um, and number three, contact the local team um, and get advice from the consultants who are in that specialty and contact them early. And then what, what advice would I give that I wouldn't have done? plan it from well don't do it don't don't have an epiphany in the last year before and and apply in the in you know in a slightly hurried way um or in a slightly less planned way than I think I would have liked to but you got there I know I know Mm. but um and I think it does show everything does happen for a reason as well like things happen Mm. and you end up in places yeah yeah well thank you for joining us today and I hope um, I'm sure our listeners have found it very interesting and I know Gemma's going to be more than happy to be 
contacted. Yeah, definitely, please do. Yeah. yeah. So we've put um Gemma's contact details up for you. Um and she can be found in the University <laughs> Hospital of Wales carrying the neurology reg paediatric bleep. Yeah. Um, most days. <laughs> um so thank you, Gemma. Um and thanks for getting me through my first solo mission on my Dragon Bite podcast. Thank you for joining us. And I just wanted to say thank you to both Kellen and Gemma for recording that podcast for us. The advice there is super helpful. It's worth bearing in mind, as they have spoken about what's happening during the interview process, that this year, and maybe even in 2021, due to the COVID crisis, there might be very different rules as to how the interviews will be taking place. So make sure you check on the Royal College's website for a more up-to-date information about how the interviews will run and what stations to expect. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. 